through the hard times, it doesn't matter. You're always there. You're always faithful. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you, to always to put you first and to seek you in our lives. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as we go over a Christmas story, Lord, that you will, you will be with us. Your spirit will touch each and every one of us, Lord. How many times, Lord, have we heard a Christmas story? And we could say, I can almost put in the words, but Lord, there's always something new. There's always another, another aspect of truth about the Christmas story that you want us to know and to bring into our hearts. So I pray that for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you might use me in this message for your glory, that your Holy Spirit would just guide me and bring a message that, that will bring you honor and draw your people closer to you. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start off this morning with a, this is a true story. This is not a make, uh, made-up story. The nativity play at a church had started, and Mary and Joseph were going house to house, knocking on doors. And, of course, they were asking if there was any room for them. And as they continued to get no vacancy answers, suddenly, at the back of the church, a small voice shouted, you should have booked. Think about that. Chris got it, you should have booked. Boy, that really went like a dud, didn't it? Let's start all over again. How about if I just say it backwards or whatever? You know, the merchandising phenomenon of, of Christmas, of the holidays, is in full swing. It used to be primarily a mall thing, right? Everybody went to the mall. Let's go to the mall. Well, we still do, but, but now we have what? We have online shopping for all to do that. That's become like our mall. Retail stores are putting up their Christmas decorations earlier, seems like earlier and earlier every year, trying to lengthen the holiday season for what? For more sales. But it doesn't stop there. Over a quarter of a million Americans put up their house decorations before Thanksgiving. Well, you know, I think we were one too. You know, before Thanksgiving. And, you know, why? You, you know, we ask these questions and Believe it or not, I guess psychologists need something to do because they did a study on this and they found out and they contend that people put up their decorations more and more because it makes them happy. Isn't that the truth? We stop and think about it. Does me. I'll be honest with you. I love decorations up. I love the Christmas music. Not. I'm not talking about jingle bells, but it just makes... It makes me happier to know that, that it's a, such a wonderful time of the year. And you know, sometimes I was surprised. I'm gonna, I was surprised. It was a year ago. Yes, I still have my memory. It was a year ago I was having my wellness checked. It was in January, early part of January. As you get my age, you have to have these wellness checks every year. So anyway, mine went fine, by the way. A year later, but mine did go fine. Anyway, it was, I was very surprised, seriously, because I, I love my, 
my family physician, I've known him for years or whatever. He's such a great guy, a great doctor. And I was talking about the holidays. At that point in January, I thought most people would have their decorations down. And so I asked Dr. Sickage, I said, hey, you know, how was your holidays? And, and were the kids in town? His kids, are, most of them are growing up now. I think he has one at home. One's in college, one is married, he's got, he's got a little grandchild. He said, oh, he said, it was great. He said, the whole family was in, the house are full of activity and people. Now there's nothing. He said, everybody went home, kids went back to school, got the one boy. He said, it's depressing. And I looked at him, are, are you serious? So he said, yes, he was depressed. He said, it's a downer. He said, I dislike taking my Christmas decorations down. I would love to keep them up longer and longer. But that's what happens. That's what, that's, that's the joy that we have. You know, if you look back, if you look back some 2,000 years ago, you will find two groups of people, really, that they longed for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you name them, the two groups that long to know and see the Christ child? Whoa. No takers? How about the Magi, the wise men? You know, why don't we just start, why don't we just start there? And let's look at uh, these two eager groups. First would be the Magi, Matthew 2, 1 and 2. After Jesus was born, and you can memorize this verse, I'm sure, these two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Who is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's five miles south of, of Jerusalem. And it was there where Jacob buried Rachel. It was there where, I think it was Ruth. Ruth had married, you know, and lived there, married Boaz. And how about, what was uh, it's called the city of David. Why is Bethlehem called the city of David? You thought there was going to be any questions today, right? Why is it? Because David lived in Bethlehem. So you had all, and then you had the Magi. Now the Magi, they came there. They came, why? They came because they wanted to worship the newborn king. And this was prophesied in the book of Micah some 700 years. I love these facts. Over 700 years before Jesus' birth, it was predicted that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Amen? And amen. Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, and out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. It is believed that the Magi were teachers of Persian kings. Some of them called them priests. And they were gifted they were smart. They were philosophers. They were uh, good at math, at science. They were 
uh, what do you call them, the study of the stars, astrologers? Yeah, okay, I got that one. You know, and they were considered holy and they were considered wise. During this period, there was some, there was some expectation of an imminent messianic announcement. They knew something was going, something was, was in the air, something the spirit was moving, and they were expecting something big to happen, and it did. Verse, verse 2. Where's the one, they said, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Much speculation was made, has been made about the star that the Magi had seen. Someone said, well, it could have been a brilliant comet like Halley's Comet. It could have been just one of those cluster of, of, of planets up there like Jupiter or Saturn, could it be? But the Bible says they saw a brilliant star. And the Magi knew and they longed and they were convinced. They were convinced that they were going to go and they were going to journey and they were going to see the Messiah. Now, the Bible says that they were very clear on what was happening here. This wasn't just some shooting star or whatever. This was really happening. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine, if it were you, can you imagine, if you wanted the Magi, how, much, how you'd be filled with such expectation and excitement as you packed your gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you gathered the family. They, went, they, went, they traveled in caravans. They, you gathered the family and all the belongings, and you start traveling literally hundreds of miles of desert to go see and worship the newborn king. This was a trip. It wasn't just let's go to the mall or let's just go get some gas. They had to pack up, go, and they were gone for a long period of time and they were following that star. Consider this. Today, it takes us what? You know, to travel on these nice roads, basically good roads, Nice, comfortable, and nice, comfortable automobiles. It takes us maybe, for probably for the most part, well under one hour to get to church. One hour. Less than one hour to get to church and to worship God. Yet, what I rejoice in this morning so much is to see your wonderful faces. Because so many people... They don't bother. They don't bother to get in their their automobiles. They don't bother to travel to a church to worship their God because they don't have the time. They don't want to be inconvenienced. You know? Don't want to be bothered. They make one excuse after 
another. And as a result, they lose the joy. They lose the joy of learning more and more about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, I think it's wonderful. I think pastors, by and large, if you do a a special Christmas Eve service, you see more people in church than ever before. It goes right up there with Easter. You got the big two, and so so when you have your board meetings and whatever prior to all these services or seasons, you're preparing your people. They're going to come in. They're going to come in. You get more and more people coming. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. But did but do they really see the joy? Do they really see the joy? Do they really see the purpose behind it? Rather than saying, well, that's something we do every year. It's a tradition. We go to church and we have the ham for Easter or, you know, the turkey, whatever it is, for, for, for Christmas. But the Magi, when they finally arrived, they weren't dissatisfied. They weren't disappointed. Why? Because their lives had changed. Christ changed his life. That baby and the manger changed their lives and changed, the, changed their lives prior to them seeing the Christ child. But the Christ child obviously probably just was like frosting on the cake for them. Their lives were changed. I can look at you out here. I would bet you, I'm not a betting person, but for those of you that have had a born-again experience, I could listen to your testimony and find I can listen to yours, I could listen to yours or yours, and I'd see some similar aspects of it. That, But one thing would be certain, your life was changed. Christ changes life. We know that. So we know that when all this was happening, these people's lives were changed. That happened some 2,000 years ago. And Jesus Christ is still changing life today. Amen? And amen. Okay. Number two, the shepherds. From Luke 2, 8 through 20. The shepherds. These were common folk. These were just common, ordinary people that were out there, and they were considered for many in their, in their culture to be kind of like the lower end, of the, end of, the, uh, of the scale. They weren't the high end. They were the low end. They were out there in their fields, some of them in this situation, not all of them, of course, and they were just doing their job. And lo and behold, isn't, it, isn't that God, though, really, when you stop and think about it? that he goes to the lowly. God sometimes would think, well, God's going to come, you know, oh, he's going to come to, you know, all the, the, the people that are exalted in, in community. That's not how God works. He goes right to these shepherds. So let's kind of take a look at their story for a moment. The shepherds visit Jesus. And there were shepherds living out in the fields, nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find him a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this king that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That This message offers, I think, a central theme of Jesus' birth. Now, you can add a theme, but to me, this is the central theme surrounding Jesus' birth. Verse 14, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. This message to the shepherds applies to us. Jesus' coming brings peace. However, Jesus' peace is not centered on ending the war. It's not centered on the bombs stop bombing and the bullets stop flying and the missiles stop flying. It doesn't. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop when the peace talks have been are successful or it doesn't stop or begin when you feel or someone feels like life is like kumbaya, that everything is wonderful, everything is great, everything is perfect, And I know Christians that believe that. I had a family that walked away from us because they didn't want to hear our pain. And they were supposedly Christians. We live in a world that is broken. That's why Jesus came. Amen? Mike, you're talking about lighting the birthday candle. You know, what does the light uh, symbolize when you light it? that the light has come into a dark world. We live in a bad place where bad people do bad things. That's why we need the light. That's why we need the balance. We need the hope. We need the truth that there's so much falsehood out there. We need to kind of blend that out and put that hope in front. That's Jesus. That's what he's done for each and every one of us. Praise God, every day really should be Christmas. Every day should be a celebration. Not just one day out of the year. Amen? (coughs) So, again, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is a song of peace within the heart, I believe. It's a song of peace on earth. Why do we have peace on earth? Because Christ came into this world. It's a song of praise to those on whom his favor rests. 
as the scripture says, the message of the angels brought is that humanity is no longer separated from God because Jesus was born to tear down those barriers. So often we just want to stay right there. <coughs> and we talk about a beautiful story, and it is, you know, but it's more than just cuddling a little baby, you know, and singing, you know, away in the manger. Jesus came for a reason. He was born for a reason to draw us and bring us to God, to, to separate and tear down those walls of darkness that we've been talking about, and they're out there. It just, it just burdens me. It burns my heart this morning to know that so many people out there that just don't know the Lord, and they are wallowing in absolute filth and darkness. They are. You know, I don't know. I, can, I guess, Jason, I can go on and on and on, but I can't escape... I, I cannot escape as a pastor, you know, my life before a pastor. You know, you know, I know it's on the other side. I've seen it on the other side. And and it's so evident today. And the people, you know, friends, if you had known me before Christ, you never would invite me in your house. I'm sure of that. I was bad. But I'm not alone. There's a lot of bad people out there that do bad things. But only Christ can change it. Only Christ can turn it around. That's the point of, one of the big points of Christmas. Only Christ can give us peace. How many of you are carrying around baggage in your life that is uh, robbing you of your peace? Anybody here, anything, that bad thing you've done or whatever, when you became a Christian, when you confess it, that is wiped away. It is gone, never to be seen again. That's repentance, isn't it? That's repentance. I don't know. I'm, I know I'm rambling, John, but at this, but I, when I talk to Christians, I want to hear their story. I want to hear where God has taken them and how that all happened. Because this world is broken, and we're all part of that broken world. And I don't think there's one of you that can come forward to me and tell me that you've lived a perfect life. If you did, I wouldn't call you a liar. I'd just say you've been very deceived. We all live, have lived bad and done bad things in our lives. But praise to Jesus, you know, we're not held captive uh, to them. Amen? And amen. So Jesus broke down all the barriers to reconcile us, a sinful world to God, and give us peace. Peace on earth. How's your peace today? How's that working for you? Are you in perfect peace? Are you in peace because this is going to be a good day for you? Are you in peace because... Everything is going great in your life, in your world. You know, check that peace because that could be worldly peace. Jesus gives you peace when you don't feel, when your world is breaking up, when you are cracking up. Jesus can give you peace. He can give you peace in your heart. He can also do that when things are going well as well. So I don't want people to think, oh, Jay, you know, 
I can't be happy because if I'm, if I'm happy, then I'm going to have Jesus' peace. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, I want to make sure of that. I didn't want you to jump on me after this message. And number three. Christmas points to expectant love. From 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, listen to these words. Oh, these, are, these words are just, just fantastic. Though you have not seen him, you what? You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with and what? An inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith. Don't look at the last part. What is the end result of the faith? The salvation of your souls. That is the end game. The result is, this, is our salvation. Some wise men, some shepherds in that, in, that, in that field or those fields, some disciples, what, 12 disciples, and there were more. Some eyewitnesses had the privilege of seeing Jesus Christ face to face. But how awesome is this truth? That Jesus Christ is as much alive today as he was some 2,000 years ago when he was born. Think about that. These words, and if we follow Peter's words, just listen to them. Even though you don't see him, even though, though you don't see Jesus, take the time to grow in your love for him. Even though you don't see Jesus, take the time to believe in him. And then add to that, take the time to feel his love for you. Take the time to learn more about him by reading the word of God. Take the time. Take the time to pray more. You know, take the time to pray more. Take the time to repent. Take the time, Christian, to get on your knees or whatever when you've done some bad things or thinking bad, whatever it is, take the time to repent and restore your relationship in that regard with your Lord and your Savior. Take the time. Take the time to allow the Holy Spirit of God to reveal more of Jesus in your life. I have been a, a believer in Jesus Christ more than, longer than you have. Not better, just longer because I'm older. Okay? And what I've learned as a pastor, as a Christian, as a brother, as I learned as a brother, is the more I know about Jesus, really the less I know about him. Because there's so much more and how I can grow in him. My fear always is of thinking that you know it all. You can't experience anymore. That is so wrong. There's so much more that I can learn, and I can learn from you.
there's so much I can learn from you as I listen to you. And that, that's what makes it so exciting in the faith also is being with brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And amen. Well, all right. So, it's taking the time, I want to close, to recognize Jesus' presence in you. And when we do, here's the conclusion, and when we do, we go back to Peter's words, filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, the salvation of your souls, regardless of what you might be going through. Sometimes we're waiting for God to hit the big home run. Come on, let's, I want that big I want that big spiritual gift. I want this. I want to experience this miracle and that miracle, this miracle and that miracle. And we live off of that. We feed off of that. And sometimes we say, that's the Pentecostal experience. By, by using the spiritual gifts, I'm all for the gifts. But sometimes we put them first. No. No, no, no. Jesus is always first. Jesus gives us what we have. He gives us those gifts for a reason. You see what I'm saying? And what is the greatest gift? We shared it yesterday. The greatest gift is salvation. The greatest gift is knowing that Andrew Burge is with his Lord in heaven. And one day we are going to have our moment, each and every one of us. Don't stop and think, I'm just too young to think about these things. No, no, no. Think about it now. Don't dwell on it, but think about it. Your glorious joy comes from knowing that you are saved, period. Put a dot right there. That is it. Nothing more, nothing less than everything else. Everything else, I'm on a roll. Everything else then really is gravy, isn't it? Then it's just like frosting on the cake. Oh, boy, Peter was so right. Why would he be right? I don't know. Maybe because he's taught by the Savior himself. For starters, that might be a good start. He knew what he's talking about. Uh, obviously, the Spirit was working through him as well. So, in closing... For me, Jesus came into the world to love us, to teach us, and you can add, you can add to these words, to love us, teach us, reconcile us, forgive us, and sometimes kick us in the pants when we need it, to bring us salvation. That salvation is for all. And as I look at my brothers and sisters here today, you are in your salvation. Praise God for that. Because one day, you know, we better get used to each other. No, I'm sure. I, I don't know where I'll go with that one. You know, I got to re, regroup there. Well, <laughs> anyway, anyway, someday I'm looking forward to my new body. I'm going to tell you something right now. And so someday when we get together, we're going to have these glorious heavenly bodies, and we're going to be having so much fun together. Isn't that great to know? Hey, 
let's go to the beach. Will there be a beach? I don't know, Mike. I get there could be. Let's go get some sun. Well, we won't need the sun because God will supply the light. But it's going to be great. It's going to be great. This is just the beginning. My friends, my friends. I'm talking to my friends going to Hawaii. It's going to be great. You've never been there, right? Oh, you're going to love it. I've been there, and I'm not bragging. I told uh, Jason, not a brag. I've been there four times, thanks to my daughter, who worked for United Airlines. That's the only reason why we were there. I loved it. I don't know about you. I loved Hawaii. I loved everything about it. I loved the weather of this. I thought, boy, this is the closest thing to paradise on earth is Hawaii. And it's wonderful. But God has so much more for us in heaven that we can't even imagine. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate this Christmas season. We remember, we rejoice, and we thank him for giving us the greatest gift of all, God and salvation. Man. You know, I hope we all have a great, great Christmas. Now, what I said this morning, we're going to say some more next week. So don't think, well, that's it. I'm not going to preach next Sunday. See what I'm saying? Do you feel it? I hope you feel it. I hope you feel and really rejoice. And my, that's my prayer for you. And share your Jesus with others. I don't know how I'll pray about that, but share your Jesus with others. And let your Jesus and the good news of him just spill it over to someone else. You know, maybe for the Ernst family, maybe it's going to be somebody on the plane. Maybe you won't be sitting next to, a, you know, you know, your son, your daughter, or sister, brother, whatever. Maybe it's going to be someone else. That's a long flight over there. That's all. Find, find that moment. Pray about how we might share this wonderful news with other people. Jesus Christ, we praise you and thank you so much. And I thank you, Lord. I know, Lord, sometimes I spin and spin, but Lord, I want to spin for you. And Lord, I, I thank you so much for your love. I can, right now I'm speaking from, a, from this, this person to you. Thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross for me. Thank, thank you, Lord, for putting in my heart that you don't make junk, that I'm worth something. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters here. If anyone here feels they're not worthy, they're not good enough to be, to feel your, your, your forgiveness and to be reconciled to you, Lord, break those barriers down for them. Oh, Lord, that they might, there might be a pathway for them to journey toward you, Jesus that they might see you as the magi and the wise men. They might see the good news of that baby born in a manger and how significant that is and will be for the rest of our lives. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. In Jesus' name. Would you join us for one last song?